0: A new report has called for clarity on the relationship between government and NEFIT and how key pandemic decisions were made over the last 18 months or so. And the study by legal experts from Trinity College has criticised a lack of transparency on how these decisions were reached and whether certain public health measures were actually legally enforceable. And to talk more more about it is the author of this particular report, Alan Eustace, who's a PhD candidate in Trinity College. Good afternoon to you, Alan.
1: Hi, know. Thanks very much for having me on.
0: Okay, what was firstly? What was the purpose of the report, or what was the the reasoning behind it?
1: Sure. So, since the uh, pandemic started, Trinity have had a uh, law and human rights observatory set up to examine the government's legal response to mm-hmm. the public health situation. Yeah. And this report is, uh, so a sort of culmination of our work. We've done. We've issued other reports, and you know, we've kept uh, publications going throughout. But this report looks at. Um, the legal responses to public health management, and we make a series of recommendations uh, that we hope the government will take on board for the remainder of this pandemic and indeed for any future crises that may arise. So we looked at um, the sort of decision-making processes uh, in between government and, and NEPIT. We looked at the kind of restrictions that uh, that have been imposed throughout the pandemic. And then we also looked at the kind of support that were made available by the state to individuals to help them to uh, navigate the public health situation.
0: Okay, you you found obviously we have to establish then the position of NEPHIT and the position of NEPHID as a public health emergency team would be to report to government with how they believe certain things would affect public health. Now, of course, according to the WHO, public health should also be considered to be social health and mental health and that's the government's job. So the government should take information from NEPHIT now for true, full transparency and then make a decision on be it lockdowns or restrictions or whatever it happens to be and have an understanding of how it affects our lives in other ways apart from physical health uh, but you believe they weren't doing
1: that So uh, as a matter of statute the uh, the law requires that the Minister for Health uh, consult with the Chief Medical Officer in making certain kinds of decisions under the uh, relevant health legislation Um everything beyond that uh, throughout this pandemic has had very little statutory basis. So we don't have any legal rules that set up um, what NEFIT is and what it does, uh, who is supposed to sit as a member of NEFIT, and what is the procedure for uh, taking on board their advice and weighing it up against, as you say, other considerations that the government needs to, to take account of. Like social
0: of. and mental health rather than just physical health, yes. And of lot, course, and to be fair to Nefit, that's not their job. You know, their no. job is physical health.
1: Well, yes, so, and this is something that we flag in the report. So we say that, look, Nefit has a very narrow range of specialisms uh, yeah. among the, the members. The virology aspect
0: of it and the epidemiology as, aspect sure, of it, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, and there's been very little formal channel by which other kinds of expertise can reach government decision making. So in the report, we recommend that if we are going to rely on these sort of uh, public health teams, um, then we need to have a broader range of expertise brought in. So you need Okay, to have, well, I think I suggested this right.
0: last year, I think, when we were talking about it, would it be a fair suggestion that NEFET, who are a team of a particular people, we're very all very familiar with their names now at this stage, that on a regular basis that they should be changed to avoid, I suppose, an echo chamber or some description. Uh, is that a recommendation that maybe that the team should be changed on a regular basis? Different experts be brought in with different speci- you know, qualifications and different specialities? Because you, you point out that in the report that essentially the emergency team, NEFET, had become the de facto decision maker
1: we don't have a specific recommendation on turnover of personnel within uh, the the public health team what we have is we noted that uh, at some stages in the pandemic there were subcommittees established within the public health advisory team which have uh, specific expertise in particular areas now those subcommittees were subsequently disbanded and we don't really know why that was, and where... When were the, they
0: disbanded? Because I I, I remember it, it was announced by Stephen Donnelly that there would be a subcommittee, like a buffer, so to speak, between Neffet and the government. And are you are you saying now that that subcommittee is now gone?
1: No, so we, there were two... So there's just two issues okay. there. So one, there were subcommittees within within Neffet within Okay. Uh, were disbanded around, I think it's uh, August of last year. Sometime last summer, I don't okay. have the exact date, but it was last summer. Then you also mentioned the idea of of the civil service team to act as a buffer between NEFIT and the government. And so the idea was that at that stage, the public health advice could be tallied with other kinds of expert advice that was feeding through um, and then could be presented to Cabinet. Now, that team is apparently still in operation, right? So this was established in uh, September last year. Um, There's been no indication that 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 practice has stopped But we also have no information on how that process operates. Um, So you're saying there's a
0: lack of transparency in this whole system?
1: There is a significant lack of transparency. That is one of the criticisms that we have throughout this report mm-hmm. not just in how NEPH operates but other aspects of the pandemic response
0: Okay uh, um, you you also mentioned as well and I, I'm sorry I don't mean to rush you but you also mentioned as well that some of the public health measures that were brought in weren't le- or were, there was a question mark over whether they were legally enforceable Now in particular what aspects of, of these measures do you believe may have question marks over the legalities of the enforceability? So
1: this is something that the observatory has been flagging throughout the pandemic um, there's we noticed that there have been four kinds of response by the by the state during the pandemic so there's advice there's what uh, tanisha has referred to as a civil offense there's been a criminal offense but with a reasonable excuse uh, defense to that and then there are uh, offenses where you have no um, defense of, of a reasonable excuse um the problem that we've had is that at various different stages in the pandemic The state has presented in in kind of public discussions or in in, um, uh, questions from the the media that something is a criminal offence when it isn't, when it's only advice or where there's no sanction attached.
0: Well, it's a guideline, essentially, rather than a legal requirement.
1: So one of those we have was with uh, religious services um, for all of last year and... uh, some some portion of the uh, lockdown uh, after January okay, um, where the the advice was that there should be no religious services. It was being presented that there was a, a criminal prohibition but as far as we could tell it was, it was very tenuous as to whether there actually well, was There, any there, there is actually a there.
0: high court challenge on that at the moment isn't there by Declan Ganley? I know Declan Ganley was taking a high court challenge in relation to that.
1: Yeah. So when that case initially came up for for hearing it was Uh, The the state suggested that it would be moot, that there was no uh, legal issue to to challenge because religious services were were reopening. Um, We don't know what the status of that case is at the moment. Um, uh, This this report was done up to uh, April. So and would, the, would that COVID apply, for example, to the, the big that.
0: debate, of course, this week has been about confirmations and communions. So, and basically because they have a label of confirmations and communions, i.e. you can have a wedding, but you can't have a confirmation of communion, because that is government advice and a government guideline. Um, and according to the guidelines of Board Fall as well in relation to carry, you know, having private events within hotels. So you're saying there's a, there's a stark difference between a guideline and advice and an actual law and there's a confusion to the general public in the way, in the way these are being presented by government.
1: Absolutely. Um, it, you know, it's not our position to, to criticise any particular public health measures. Right, We're not public health doctors. What we're trying to get across is the idea that uh, there are serious rule of law concerns that arise where the government presents something as being criminally prohibited when in fact it is simply advice that you don't carry out a particular thing. Um, and I think the example you give us that's going on at the moment around those um, religious sacraments and um, the communions and, and confirmations, that's another example of something that we've picked up on happening several times during the pandemic of a confusion between whether things are actually prohibited or not.
0: Well, we, of course, Stephen Donnelly and, and Michael Martin over the weekend condemned um, uh, the Bishop of Elphin when he said he was going to fire away and do them anyway. And they said he was putting lives at risk, et cetera, et cetera. But at no point did I think they suggest that the Garda would arrest them. So in other words, there is a confusion as to whether those things, in other words, we're telling people that you shouldn't do something, but we're actually really saying to them, listen, if you do it, you know, we're, we're not going to like you very much, but it doesn't mean you're going to go to jail for it.
1: Yeah, that's right. And and this, is, as I say, this isn't the first time that's happened during the pandemic. Okay. Um, it, it could be forgiven at certain times as where the law was actually confusing, but the longer it goes on, the less, willing, I mean, we have been anyway in the report to recognise that, was that in, could be genuine. Confused. Do you
0: think that was intentional, Alan to confuse people between guidelines and legislation?
1: I mean, obviously we can't read minds. Um, some of my colleagues have noted elsewhere that it's becoming increasingly hard to believe that it's not intentional, um, That, or at least that there aren't decision makers who are aware of The confusion confusion that exists and have not uh, taken steps to correct any confusion that that they're aware is out there.
0: Finally, in in your report as well, you also talk about power and you talk about Neffet. Do you believe, according to your report, that Neffet had too much power over the last 18 months?
1: We recognise something that we've called an accountability gap, right? There's a a kind of a, a trap here between either the government is delegating a significant amount of decision-making power to a body with no statutory foundation that where we don't really understand how it's supposed to work as a matter of law or the government is continuing to make decisions which it's supposed to do as as the elected representatives but using the advice of the uh, public health team as a cover for the uh, for the decisions that the government is making and thereby skirting their own responsibility um, to take account, you know, to be accountable for those decisions.
0: And and, um, and for that reason, they're allowing their never to take the power, is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, and yeah, either of those is a bad thing, right? Because we think that we need to have, um, obviously, in, in any kind of public emergency, there are going to be compromises made on the ordinary processes by which government decisions are made, right? When there's an emergency situation. But... Mm-hmm. Democratic oversight remains very important. Accountability and transparency remains important, and the rule of law remains important. And, and we and also to point out, out the public health. To
0: pub, here. And we also have to obviously point out the public health is quite important as well. And that obviously a lot of people believe Never doing a wonderful job, but there are others, of course, that, that criticise some of the, the decisions that have been made for the very reason that you're talking about. in Your report which is the lack of transparency. I know the pubs and restaurants, for example, a while ago were calling for data. If you're going to keep us closed, you know, can you show us why? Give us reasons why, and 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 give us some sort of transparency as to why you're making these decisions. And I think that's what your focuses very much on as well. But look, you believe there's a lack of accountability. In the UK, they've announced, by the way, in two years' time there'll be a full inquiry as to how SAGE, which is their version of NEFIT, of course, dealt with this situation. And, and again, they're having the same problems in the UK too that you talk about in your report. Do you believe there should be a, a public inquiry when this is all over as to how decisions are made and a public inquiry would be important for transparency and obviously not to make the same mistakes in the future if something similar happened again?
1: Yeah, so this isn't a this isn't conclusion that We reached in this report itself. But speaking for myself, I think there should be a public inquiry. Um, And I think some of the concerns that we've raised in this report should be examined. And I think you're right to point out that there may very well be future crises and we may need to learn lessons from this one. Um, And that's why in this report we've set out uh, 16 recommendations for public health Governance, generally, not just uh, in the context of this particular emergency.
0: It's a very good report. I've read a lot of it. It's a very interesting report to read. Just finally, what has been the reaction of NEFID and government, or have you had any reaction from Neffit and government uh, to your report? Uh,
1: I haven't gotten any uh, communication directly. I don't. I don't know whether um, any of my colleagues have.
0: Okay, because it's been all over the media today, so I'm sure somebody's going to have to react at some point to it. But listen, thank you very much indeed. Alan Eustace, PhD candidate in Trinity College and the author of this particular report. Thank you very much indeed for coming on the air today and appreciate it. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio, the multi-award-winning Niall Boylan show.
1: Classic hits.